Okay, Bruch Mabam, welcome back everyone. I uh, hope everyone had a nice end of the year break. So we continue in the fifth malacha, which is the malacha of dash, the malacha of threshing. So for all you farmers out there, um, this is certainly a malacha that is very applicable. And even for uh, most of us who are not involved in agriculture, uh, dash is a malacha which is quite common, and Bez uh, Hashem, we will discuss that. The halachas of dash are found in Simon Shin Chaf in uh, Shulchan Aruch, and uh, we'll see if we could work on a mnemonic for that one. Where was dash found in the Mishkan? Well, we mentioned that they planted herbs to create dyes for the uh, curtains and the tapestries of the Mishkan, and then once the dyes grew, they had to be threshed. So basically threshing is taking, separating the useful parts of an herb from the unwanted parts. Basically, the uh, you're taking the kernel from the, ha- from the uh, husk and taking the edible part from the inedible. That is the malacha of dash, which is threshing. Now the Rambam says, what is the av malacha of dash? If you thresh... What is the shear? Even kegroigeres, even the size of a dried fig, you are chayiv. And disha is only applicable by something that grows from the ground. Now bear that in mind, because we're about to learn something that seems to be in conflict with that. Vahamifarek, now what is the tolda of dash? Says the Rambam, Hilchashabas, Parakhes, Halachazayin, that someone who extracts. That is a tolda, a derivative of dash, and you are therefore chayev. Therefore, if you milk an animal, you're chayev for mefarik, extracting. Now, so you'll ask, but cows don't grow on trees. That's what you thought. You thought cows don't grow on trees. That's because you never saw a cow tree. But in America, no. We're gonna we're gonna see that perhaps that a cow, even though it doesn't grow on a tree, but it, it's nourished from the ground, and therefore it may have the halachic status of gidule karka. Okay, but for, for um, ideally, one is only chayif for dash if it's gidule karka. Nevertheless, the Rambam in the very same halacha says that if you milk an animal, you're chayif for mefarik. Mefarik is extracting, which is a tolda of dash. The same way dash threshing, you're removing the edible part of the grain from the inedible, by extracting the milk from the cow, by removing it where it's pocketed in the udder, that is extracting. Likewise, if you hit a living animal, a living being, and it has skin, and you cause the blood to come out, you are liable to mephoric extracting. Also, if you squeeze fruits to, t- to, uh, to be able to achieve, in order to remove their juice, then you're chayif for mefarik, extracting. Now you have to squeeze the amount of liquid uh, the size of a dried fig. Now, this is very important. Midoy raisa, you're only chayiv by squeezing olives and grapes. All other fruits, you are not chayiv midoy raisa for squeezing. Now we're going to see, that may not be dafka, but uh, the Ramam says one is only chayiv for olives and grapes. Fine. Those are the Isure Dairaisa, those are the Toldois of Dash. Now let us talk about the Isure Drabanon. Comes the Rambam, the Rambam says Isure Drabanon are uh, Mephorik Chayiv Mishem Dash. 
If you extract, you're chayiv for dosh. And if you squeeze olives and grapes, you're chayiv for extracting. Therefore, you cannot squeeze berries or pomegranates. And some people squeeze these fruits. They have the status like olives and grapes. And uh, therefore, midrabanon, you cannot squeeze them lest you come to squeeze olives and grapes. However, other fruits like um, quinces, apples, sour apples... It's, they're not typically squeezed, and therefore we're not afraid that if you come to squeeze them, you're going to come to squeeze uh, grapes and olives, and therefore you're allowed to squeeze them on Shabbos. Furthermore, the Rambam says, boiled or pickled uh, vegetables, if you squeeze them to soften them, it's permitted. If you squeeze them to extract their juice, it's prohibited. Now, let's see. I see we have a few people in Israel, in the UK, we even have people in Kigarn Hills. We have someone in Muncie, even. And I'm all the way in uh, a remote planet called the Five Towns. But anybody here live in Alaska or Canada or in a place where there's snow on the ground currently? Muncie. Muncie is like Alaska. Right. I forgot about that. But are you allowed to crush snow on Shabbos? So interesting halacha. The halacha says that in Maraskinas Hashalik Shayazuvu Mema, this is actually codified in Shulchanach and Simon Shinchav Siftes, that snow and ice, you know how to crush it to produce a liquid. And the reason is, according to some, it's actually moiled, you're producing a new entity. But according to many Rishonim, it's, it's similar to Mafarik. The same way, if you have a liquid in a fruit, it's like the liquid is contained in a fruit, or the milk is contained in an udder, or the kernel is contained in the chaff, so too it's like the liquid is contained in the snow or the ice, and when you squeeze it, it resembles uh, mefarik. And therefore, one cannot crush ice on shops. You can't go around with your, you know, your a smasher and smash ice and crush ice to produce liquid. There's an interesting question in Halacha, are you allowed to walk on snow on Shabbos? So the Mechaber says in Simon Shin Chav, if you gimel doires shelag baraglov in a choshesh, you're allowed to step on the snow in your shoes and you don't have to be concerned for anything. And the, and the Mishabura gives two reasons. Number one, the Mishabura says because it's a davar she'in meskavin. It's not something you don't intend when you're walking on the snow to crush it and produce water. One may ask, but even though you don't intend, it's a psik resha, it's inevitable that by stepping on the snow, you're going to be crushing it and producing water. The Mishabura then brings the Taz, who says another interesting reason why you're allowed to walk on snow on Shabbos, and that is, the Chachamim, even though they said you're now to crush ice and snow on Shabbos, they were not goyzer on uh, walking on snow on Shabbos, because in many areas of the world, there's snow covering the ground for the entire winter, and if they don't, if they wouldn't allow you to walk on the snow, then it would be uh, impossible to to get anywhere. And therefore, the rabbanon were never goyzer on walking on snow on Shabbos. Now, one is not permitted to intentionally walk on the snow. In other words, if you if you have sidewalk and on the side of the road there's snow, and you get a kick out of jumping in the snow, even if you're 73 years old, you could never shake the enjoyment of jumping on the snow. You're not allowed to intentionally jump on the snow to crush it on Shabbos. But if it's, so to speak, on the road and uh, you can't get where you need to get without walking on it, that is permitted. 
Now, an interesting set of halachos is, what if you have fruits and liquid oozed from the fruits on Shabbos without you squeezing it? So if it's olives and grapes, you're now to drink it because if we allow you to drink the uh, grape juice or the oil that oozed from the grapes and the olives, then uh, you might do it intentionally and you'll tell everybody it happened on its own. But other fruits, it depends. If you brought it into the house to eat and the liquid just oozed on its own, it's mutter. However, if you brought it into the house to squeeze it and then the liquid oozed on its own, then it is prohibited. Okay. Now we come to something very important. The Gemara says in Masech the Shabbos, Daf Ayin, Hey, Amod Aleph. Someone who traps a chilazon. Whatever the chilazon is, whether it's a snail, whether it's a fish, whatever, whatever this creature is, and you trap it. Now for trapping an animal on Shabbos, it's one of the Lamites Malachas, you're definitely chayef for its sud. But now you take this animal and you crush it open and you sort of, the blood is coming out. So Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion, the Tanakam, excuse me, is of the opinion, you're only chayef for one malacha, namely for tramping on Shabbos. Rabbi Yehuda says you're chayef for two malachas. What, which two malachas? Number one, tzad, which is trapping. And number two, pitsia, threshing, squeezing the blood out of the chalazon is a type of threshing. So the question is, why do the Rabbanon hold your only chayev? One, Amar Rava, my time of the Rabbanon, says Rava, the Rabbanon hold, Ein disha karka. Threshing is only possible on something that grows from the ground, and a, wor- and a snail or a fish don't grow from the ground, and they don't eat from the ground, and therefore they're not considered gedulei karka, and therefore the opinion of the Chachamim is your only Chayef for trapping it, you're not Chayef for threshing it. However, Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion you're Chayef for threshing, and apparently Rabbi Yehuda holds that threshing is possible by something, even by something that doesn't grow from the ground. Comes the Gemara, 20 blot later, and the Gemara says, Rav Nachman Baragurya came to Neherda, and they asked from him the following question. If you milk an animal on Shabbos, what are you chayef for? So he went and he asked the question in the Beis HaMedrash and they said, one who milks an animal on Shabbos is chayef for mefarek. He's chayef for extracting. In other words, dash. Rashi explains, how is milking an animal dash? Because mefarek extracting is like mefarek masoy, is like extracting a load. That you, the same way you could extract a load from some an animal, so you could extract a food from where it's hidden and covered, and that is a tolda of dash. Now some say that milking an animal is like harvesting, is koitzer. Says Rashi, there's no way it's koitzer. An animal's udder is not attached to the ground. It's sort of deposited in the pocket of the udder. But instead, milking an animal is mefarek. It's extracting, which is a tolda of dash. So we have ourselves a major stira between the Gemara on daf tzadi hay and the Gemara on daf ayin hay. The Gemara on ayin hay says, the opinion of the Chachamim is that mefarek does not apply by a snail, because it doesn't grow from the ground. 
And the Gemara on Sadi Hay says that if you milk a cow, you're chayev for threshing, mafarek, because it's like unloading, it's like extracting a bundle. But wait a second, a cow does not grow from a ground. So Toysu says, not a problem. The Gemara on Sadi Hay that says you're chayev for milking a cow on Shabbos is going like the opinion of Rabbi Huda that you're chayev for threshing even if it doesn't grow from the ground. However, the majority view is the view of the Chachamim that you're only chayev from a farik if it does grow from the ground. In other words, this Gemara on Daf Sadi He that says you're chayev for milking a cow is a minority view is going like the opinion of Rabbi Huda. However, however, comes the Rambam and the Rambam codifies that if you milk a cow on Shabbos, Raise your hand if you milk cows. Let's see if anybody milks cows. Jonathan milks cows. Joe, I love you, but you don't milk cows. Um, <laughs> we're, you're in, we're at least, I forgot. Sorry, I didn't hear you. You're muted. Okay, you're, you're in Israel. And I haven't seen you in a couple weeks, so I forgot already. Okay, but um, anybody else? Jonathan, you, you for real milk cows, huh? You want to tell us about that experience? Did I chase you away? Where'd you go? You see? Oh, you're back. I'm not hearing. Oh. Hi. Sorry. Hi, can you hear me? Hello, hello. Hello, hello. How are you? Oh, you hear me well. Where are you? Remind me. What? Okay, I got it. Okay, so I, I'm, I still have it a little bit. But you milk cows? Yes. That, that, I'll take that as a yes. So according to the Raman, the Raman codifies that... In fact, um, milking a cow is mafarik, and the Rambam does not limit it to the opinion of the Rabbi Huda. So the Magid Mishnah says, something you pointed out earlier, that the Rambam is of the opinion that a cow is considered gedulei karka, and therefore the Rambam holds you are chayef for mafarik. Now, here's another important halacha. The Gemara says on Shabbos, Adav kuf mem hey. We're now 50 blot ahead. Reb Chia Barashi says the name of Rav. Midai Raisa, you're only chayev for squeezing olives and grapes. And this was also taught in the Academy of Rabbanasha. Midai Raisa, you're only chayev for olives and grapes. Now why would that be? What is so special about olives and grapes? There's a very interesting machlekes, Rashi and the Ran. Rashi says, look, you know why you're only chayef for squeezing olives and grapes? Because mefarik is a malacha. And a malacha is only something which is typical. And therefore, squeezing olives is typical. Squeezing grapes is typical. On the other hand, squeezing um, a pear is not really typical. Squeezing um, other fruits, an avocado is not typical. Nobody drinks avocado juice. So... Now, don't tell me you drink avocado juice. Nobody on this shear is drinking avocado juice on a regular basis. So, therefore, since it's a... What about it in the orange? What, what about it? Uh, people squeeze the oranges. 
Okay, we'll talk about that. But according to Rashi, um, only olives and grapes. And the logic is that those are typical. So Rabbi Yitzhi is saying, well, there are other fruits that are typically squeezed. I think if you ask Tropicana, they would say that even uh, more than grapes and uh, olives, uh, we squeeze oranges. So, well, what about the fact that Rabbi that olives and grapes have a direct shaykhus to the Mishkan because the avoda would have used oil and they would have used wine. Okay, right? it does, they're, so they're, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The the malachos are the activities needed uh, used to be used in the Mishkan. But what the item that they did it upon, I mean, many of these malachos, they only planted herbs. But yet, if you plant the banana tree, you're also chayv, even though in the Mishkan they weren't planting bananas. So the item that's being used is, is not what is of note. It is the, it is the malacha. The Ran says a different reason why you're only chayv for olives and grapes, and that is only oil and grape juice are considered liquids. No other fruit juice is considered a liquid. So the question is, what in the world does that mean? Orange juice is not a liquid, apple juice is not a liquid, and the answer is nope. Halachically, there are seven liquids that could render something susceptible to Tumah. And of all the liquids that emanate from a fruit, only olive oil and grape juice or wine are part of the seven liquids. But fruit juice in general are not halachic liquids in the sense that they are not machshir items to be mekabal Tumah. So we have a very interesting machlokes between Rashi and the Ran, and it would come out a major nafkamino lahalacha. Rashi learns that only fruits that are typically squeezed, you're chayef for mefarek. In that case, there are many fruits that are typically squeezed other than olives and grapes. Oranges are definitely typically squeezed, and you would be chayef medayrais, according to Rashi, for squeezing olives. On the other hand, um, according to the Ran, only, you're only high for olives and grapes because only oil and wine are liquid. Orange juice is not a liquid and you would not be chayiv midoy raisa for squeezing oranges. At this point in time, I want to segue very briefly into a leniency in halacha of, of circumstance when it is permitted to squeeze juice out of a fruit um, regardless. And that is the heter of mashke habala echa. A liquid that is being squeezed onto a solid. Even though squeezing a fruit is mafarik, is a tolda of dash, nevertheless, if it's squeezed onto a food item, it is permitted to squeeze it, provided that the juice becomes secondary and subordinate to the food. And that could be accomplished in one of two ways. Number one, the juice enhances the taste of the food. So for example, if you want to squeeze lemon juice onto cake, you want to squeeze a lemon onto the icing of a cake, then even if the lemon juice will not be absorbed uh, by the icing, only very little, you'd be allowed to squeeze the lemon onto the icing because since the purpose of the juice is to enhance the food, so it's going from solid to solid even though in midair it's becoming a liquid. But it was liquid in the solid, and it's going on to a solid. It's mashke habalo oichel, and the halach is, that is permitted. So you're allowed to squeeze the uh, lemon onto the icing. Another heter is, if you squeeze liquid onto a solid, even if it's not enhancing the taste of the solid, but if it's being absorbed by the solid, then it is... Um, 
there's a leniency. So, for example, if a, a, a farmer has a cow that's suffering and its udders are very full and uh, you're not allowed to milk a cow on Shabbos, what you could do is, if you have sort of breadcrumbs in a bucket, you could squeeze the milk onto the breadcrumbs because you're squeezing a liquid onto a solid and it's being absorbed, even though it's not to enhance its taste, that would be permitted. That's why some are lenient and they squeeze lemon onto sugar and then put the sugar into their coffee or tea. That is somewhat of a questionable leniency, but the basis of it is you're allowed to squeeze a liquid onto a solid. Okay, we move on over why here. Why do have these leniencies? What? Why do these leniencies exist? Because um, the logic of the leniency is that a liquid to be taken out of a solid is similar to dash in that it, it's viewed that it used to be contained in a container, which was the solid, and now it's been extracted. But if it never, if it doesn't remain in a liquid form, it is not construed as being extracted because it was never taken out as a liquid. It remained a solid. So we can't say a liquid has been taken out of a solid because its end state is solid. That's the logic of the leniency. Rabbi, if a guy squeezes the juice for you, squeezes juice from these objects on Shabbos, are you allowed to have Hanoah from it? No. So I, I was on a Shomer Shabbos kibbutz in Eretz Yisrael. It took us on a tour of the kibbutz. So was there for, I was there for a simple over the weekend. And they had these, uh, I guess they are of them, and they had these automatic milking machines. And the milking machine actually had a setting on it that said Shabbat, and they were milking the cows. Can't answer. I can't answer for them, but the Aravim don't have to keep the Shabbos. I don't know. That's Is it possible they were milking it legally. Yeah. You know they had the machines. And I can't answer. Maybe maybe it was going maybe it was going uh, just to relieve the pressure. Okay. Maybe he was going into a solid. Can't answer. Okay, we now we come to the the lamdasha aspect of the malacha of um, dash. Oh, before that is um, the following issue: the sheet of the rush, and I believe this is the sheet of Tysus as well. Now, in my house, this never happens, but I'm told in many other homes it happens that kids spill grape juice on the table. Baruch Hashem, uh, we've trained our children never to spill anything. And everybody who comes to our house knows that our children never spill. But there are children who are not well brought up and they sometimes spill things on the tablecloth. And um, the question is, could you squeeze out your tablecloth on Shabbos from a liquid? Could you squeeze out your shirt on Shabbos from a liquid? Could you take a shmata and sort of squeeze up a mess on Shabbos? Does schita, which is similar to mefarek, which is a tolda of dash, does that apply to a cloth? Does that apply to a garment? Um, the opinion of the Rosh and Toysvis, in contradistinction to the opinion of the Rambam, the Rambam holds squeezing out a garment is only laundering. However, the opinion of the Rosh is squeezing out a garment is considered soichtai, uh, and is a tolda of mafarek. And therefore, even though squeezing, listen to this, according to Rosh, squeezing an apple, which is not normally squeezed, is not a issue of mafarek. Squeezing a cloth 
is an issue of mafarik, and the and the difference is the rush says that an apple is meant to eat; it's not meant to squeeze. So if you squeeze it, it's ain't darkoy And since an apple is meant to eat, the liquid is part of the food, and therefore removing it is not mafarik. But a liquid is not part of a tablecloth, and it's not meant to be in the tablecloth. An apple is meant to eat and the liquid is meant to be there, but the liquid in a cloth is not meant to be there. And if you squeeze it, you are chayiv. That is the opinion of the rush and the opinion of Taisvis. And therefore, um, there are many uh, sort of stumbling blocks in halacha regarding squeezing liquids out of brushes, sponges, um, one basic halacha is you cannot do dishes with a sponge on Shabbos. That is mafarek. Because basically the uh, fibers of the sponge, whether whatever material they're made out of, sort of is containing the water and absorbing the water. And the water is being trapped, even if it's a brush. But if the brush is dense and soft, the water is being absorbed whether in the brush itself or between the bristles. And if you scrub your dishes, you are going to violate schita, the only way really to scrub dishes with um, some type of item is if you have, let's say, a bottle brush that the fibers are dense and soft. Excuse me, the the fibers are stiff and they're not dense, they're sparse. So now the water is not being trapped in between them so a bottle brush perhaps um, would be permitted to use to clean out a bottle on Shabbos. And now the million dollar question is, are you allowed to use a toothbrush on Shabbos? Now, the answer is that Hashem created a great, very great matana. It's called mouthwash. And there's Listerine, there's Scope. If you want to use a kosher brand, there's Adwi. But a toothbrush would be an issue of mefarek. Forget the toothpaste. The toothpaste is a separate issue of memarek, where you're smoothing you're smoothing out a paste. Even without toothpaste, brushing your teeth on Shabbos is squeezing, is chita, which um, even if the bristle itself is not be- becoming wet, but in between the bristles, it's trapping water, and when you exert any pressure at all, the water is coming out. And the proof is in the pudding that if you ever take a toothbrush and run your finger against it, you'll give the guy next to you a nice spritz. That means quite a bit of water is trapped in the toothbrush. One cannot use a toothbrush on Shabbos. Even if your gums don't bleed, it's not a matter of bleeding gums. Now, what about a Shabbos toothbrush? You'll ask your local Orthodox rabbi. But right now, I am not your local Orthodox rabbi. I'm many miles away. So right now, I'm going to talk about the non-Shabbos toothbrush, a regular toothbrush you should not use on Shabbos because it is schita. Can you use a dry toothbrush on Shabbos? Yes. What it's going to do for you? Absolutely nothing. But if you if it makes you feel good to use a dry toothbrush on Shabbos, brush your heart out. But if you want to add water to it, you can't do that on Shabbos. You could use mouthwash. You could even do two rounds. And if you're not going to be brushing your teeth, you might want to do three rounds. But don't brush your teeth. Um, what about a shower? Uh, toothbrushes are synthetic, but they're squeezing only parts to the classical fabrics. Um, 
no, that is not that is not uh, the halacha. Even though there is a leniency when it comes to synthetic material, that is regarding the material itself because the material itself does not absorb. However, it does since the toothbrush is densely um, situated. Even though the bristle itself does not absorb, it does trap the water in between, and therefore um, most paiskim hold, you cannot use a toothbrush on Shabbos. Okay. Um, we continue over here. Now, the Gemara Adafayin Gimel Amabez discusses the following Shaila. Somebody who throws a clod of earth at a palm tree and you sever the dates. You hear this? You take a clod of earth and you go, bam, you throw it at a palm tree and all of a sudden the dates fall off the tree. So you chayiv, the Gemara says, for toilesh, for uprooting the dates and you chayiv for mefarek. So the Gemara says, mefarek? No, the Ravashi says that's not how you typically uproot a fruit, and that is not how you typically do mafarik. However, says Rashi, why does Rav Papa hold that you're chayev for mafarik? What's the mafarik over here? He says that the word mafarik means to unload or to extract or unload a package. And when you're throwing the clod of earth at the date tree, you are unloading the date from the branch that it's attra- uh, attached to. So now we come to a very interesting area of lambdas, and that is, let's think what's going on over here. The date is not being contained in any shell over here. It's merely attached to the plant. It's attached to the tree. By throwing the clod of earth, you're just disattaching the date from the tree. How is that mefarik? I thought mefarik is when you take milk out of an udder. It's covered in a container. I thought mefarik is when you squeeze liquid out of a solid. It's contained in the solid. Here, in this case, the date is not contained in anything. The date is merely attached to something. And the Minchas Chinuch hones in on the fact that apparently Rashi holds that mefarik is not only if a fruit is contained in something, but if a edible is attached to an inedible, and you remove the edible from the inedible, and it renders the edible edible, even if it's not contained and coated and hidden in the inedible, that would also be mefarek. Now, Toysvus disagrees vehemently with Rashi. Toysvus says, no, this is not mefarek, because mefarek, the, as Milchas Chinuch explains, Toysvus holds, is only if something is contained and hidden in a shell. But in this case, it's not contained and hidden. Toysus says the reason why this is mafarik is there's an actual thin peel that surrounds the date that when you throw the earth at the tree, the peel is going to come off. So Toysus clearly holds, like we typically thought, that mafarik is only if something is covered and coated in a coating. But Rashi apparently has an expanded definition of mafarik that even if something is attached to the inedible and you allow it to come off, that would be a mefarek. And therefore, the Minchas Chinuch asks, based on Rashi's definition of mefarek, if you have a branch from an apple tree, or an orange tree, or any fruit tree that falls off of a tree before Shabbos, can you take that apple off the branch, or the orange off the branch? Again, the branch fell off before Shabbos. 
So the Gemara says, and the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, and the Ramah Paskin, that it's mutter, that if a branch falls off of a tree before Shabbos, you could take the fruit off the branch, but ask the Minchas Chinuch, according to Rashi's expanded definition of Mepharic, that even to remove something edible from the inedible, even if it's not covered and coated, this should be prohibited because of Mepharic. Comes the Sachet Shavar Rebbe, and we'll end with this, the Eglay Tal. And he says, perhaps, we could say the following Svara, why Mepharic would not apply to take an orange off of a branch that fell off a tree before Shabbos. And that is typically threshing is done well before eating. Usually, threshing is a misa, an activity that is performed long before eating. But at the time of eating, it will not be considered threshing. So picking something off of a branch to eat it right before you eat it, that would not meet the criteria of threshing. And therefore it might be permitted. So um, people are asking, what tissues are they under the malacha of squeezing? So it's like this. If you have a mess on the floor, again, as I mentioned, in my house we don't have any messes, but in other houses where people get a little messy, so how do you clean up a mess on Shabbos? Basically, there is a chashash that if you cover up a mess with a, with towels or tissues that don't that will only wipe up about half of it. You're not allowed to do that because we're afraid you're going to wring out the towels you used to wipe up the rest of the mess. But so long as you cover the whole mess, what you could do is, without exerting any pressure, you put the tissues and the towels over the spill. You let it absorb. And once it absorbs, you discard it. But you can't take a towel and exert pressure on liquid because that is an issue of schita. Yes, so the answer is schita does apply to tissues and um, towels. Now, regarding a baby that soiled its uh, itself on Shabbos, so that's a major discussion in halacha. Are baby wipes an issue of schita? After all, the liquid in the wipe is absorbed in the material. So, as was mentioned by Rabbi Erbs before, it could be when it comes to baby wipes, if it's made out of synthetic material, there is room for leniency. Again, because it's also a question how much liquid is absorbed in there in the first place. Um, the safest way to go is in most uh, kosher supermarkets, they sell uh, for Shabbos a baby spritz, which is basically baby Windex. And you give a spritz, and then you use a dry tissue without sort of exerting pressure, and you just sort of let it absorb the liquid on its own. But again, that is not the uh, necessarily the most convenient way to do it. And regarding how to take care of that, I'll let you discuss that with um, your personal paisek. But you know, it, it is something that should be studied, knowing the parameters and the guidelines and the p- principles of. Mefarik, it is uh, an area of halacha that has to be resolved um, regarding the issue of mefarik. Okay, thank you everyone for joining us today. Bez Hashem, we'll pick it up next week. 
and um, everyone's invited to join our shir tomorrow morning, Friday morning at 10.30. Brachavat Slacha. Have a great Shabbos.